0: Welcome to On My Way to School with me, Adam Peterson, the podcast where I interview teachers, administrators, entrepreneurs, and people from all walks of life to share tips on positivity that will help motivate you for an awesome day. Let's buckle up, grab your coffee, and get ready for the show.
1: You are the best.
0: This podcast is sponsored by my friends at sandhillcoffee.com. Listen, if you want some quality coffee delivered straight to your door with a bunch of different blends to choose from, check them out. Sandhillcoffee.com is my favorite place to order from, and right now you can get a discount of 10% off your order using the promo code SCHOOL10. S C H O O L 10. That's a promo code they offer to all of my listeners, so check them out, sandhillcoffee.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is On My Way to School with Adam Peterson. Thank you for being here, and I'm so excited to have a guest on the show today, a colleague, friend, Someone I met on the road while I was out presenting, and hopefully see you on the road again soon. My guest today is a nationally recognized independent educational consultant who provides staff development and service to educators and parents working with children. And the, this is the key part at all developmental levels. This is not just primary, this is all across the board. Um, he is passionate about helping individuals shift their perspective on discipline in a positive way, which is why I wanted to bring him on the show today as we head back to school. So welcome to the podcast, Dan St. Romain. How are you? Thanks, Adam. I am doing
1: great. I'm so excited to be here and I appreciate you inviting me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you, man. You're someone that I I have looked up to in this world of as a presenter for a long time I and mean, that's when I, I first heard about you when I was on the road and people were saying hey have you seen Dan speak you've seen Dan speak and I'd go catch your sessions and was absolutely blown away when I when I got to see you as as that role wishing that I had seen you in that role when I was still in the classroom I could go learn some things from you on that sense but no doubt things that I'm taking into my my education program I'm doing now with my little ones but tell everyone about about this 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 background of yours is this, this, you know, behavior specialist, or I don't know what term you want to use in that sense. I know you don't like all those terms. Sometimes you're, you're just a guy who loves to share what he
1: does, but uh, tell us who you are, what you do, your passion behind this. Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting because I never, ever planned on going into the area of behavior as a consultant, if you will. Um, I did my undergraduate work in psychology and sociology, and then I always thought I was going to be a school psychologist. Mm -hmm. But this whole idea of behavior fascinates me because I started, my my first job was working in a residential treatment center with really, really severe behaviors. And then I became a daddy of four boys and I became a behavior consultant <laughs> um, because of the challenges my, at least one of my kids, but my kids presented. And I realized that my inclination was sort of to discipline kids the way my parents disciplined me. You know, and as a man over 50 years old, times have changed a little. A little and bit, so yeah. I am an absolute fool for working with adults and helping them just look at behavior differently because I absolutely um, love dealing with behavior, be that of little kids or adults. So right. I retired two years ago from the school system and now pretty much exclusively travel around consulting and working on this fun thing called character education and discipline.
0: Yeah. Which I'm excited to talk about because I, I know you've been sharing a lot with, with friends of ours and in and, and groups that we are a part of about these, these courses that, that you're launching. Um, and I love it that you mentioned I'm a dad of four boys in that turn. See my wife and I, we stopped at two and we always use the like sports term. We're like, we, we like our man to man defense. We didn't want to be outnumbered in his own defense. Cause I don't know how people do it beyond
1: one-on-one it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And you know what's so funny is everyone's like, you have four, and I'm like, oh, please, once you have three and they outnumber you, it's just a pack. It's like, you know, 12 puppy dogs, 14, just keep bringing them on. So that's true. you have two more to go before you can catch up. I'm waiting. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to bring
0: you on the the show, especially at this time. Um, I know when we talked about recording this and I kind of invited you on, I said, I'm trying to put together some series of, of, of shows and podcasts for teachers to listen to as they head back into what is undoubtedly going to be a challenging year um, for teachers and students. And, and I know when you and I had spoken on the phone or the first time we had chatted that uh, there's a lot of kids out there, especially primary. And I'm thinking first graders really who are going to get a double dose of their first time at school. Meaning that last year they got their first experience in education as a kindergartner, which is supposed to be this grand entrance into you know, school career through a screen. And now the way things seem to be opening up, they're going to get this brand new experience again as a first grader in a school face-to-face for the very first time. And, I, and I, I've been working with preschool age kiddos this past year. I've worked with some first grade kids, some second grade kids, and all I keep hearing about are the the, the challenges the teachers have faced with behaviors, um, you know, routines, all that kind of stuff that just that typically wasn't something we really focused a lot of attention on and I don't think it can be blamed on any one thing right now other than what our world is going through and I I just think as I I watch my wife get ready for this new school year in second grade and I see teachers posting questions and, and and all these things out on social media asking for advice and what teachers are doing to how to set the stage in the most positive light to start this new school year off remembering what we went through, but also not focusing on what we went through, trying to start this out like it's just another exciting year of school.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. We do have a lot of good things that we that are in our corner right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things that I think teachers need to remember is we're a different teacher in August than we are in April. Right. You know, I do staff development at the beginning of the year and people are like, oh, what are you going to teach us? Oh, this is so exciting. Oh, oh, oh. And then I do it around spring break and they're like, do we get a break? Are we breaking for lunch <laughs> soon? Just because it's just human nature that as the year goes on, we feel the weight of you know, benchmarks, and they better know this many letters, and they better be able to pass the state mandated test. Right. And so if we're going to talk about suggestions, one of the biggest ones I have is affect. Like teachers, hopefully after a, a summer of rest, are coming back refreshed and in a better place. And and Adam, you, you know this, you can walk into a classroom and get a feel for the climate without anybody mm-hmm. saying a word. Like you can walk into an elevator and if someone is upset or angry, like you feel that. Behaviors feed behaviors. So the first strategy and things we need thing that we need to talk about is this idea of affect and the importance of understanding that kids feed off of emotions, mm-hmm. whether that's pre-K, whether that's 12th, 12th grade. So we need to make sure that we're being positive, even if the world around us is crumbling in different ways, kids don't need to see that. Crazy right. feeds crazy, and they don't need to see the crazy. They're seeing it everywhere <laughs> else. From us, they need positive ethic because our positive emotional state is going to give them hope, and that is going to be absolutely critical. You know, I laugh. That's why I love working with early childhood. I just posted on Facebook and social media and Instagram about how if we could harness the joy and wonder evident in early childhood, we could you know, light a small nation. Like right. we could power up a small nation because I don't care how bad my day is going, I'll see in some little kid and they'll say, Mr. Saint I mean, what you got a booger in your nose. <laughs> like just, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I laugh and I burst in, you know, and I'm like, okay, that that's the real world. Yep. I think sometimes we get so bogged down with all the concerns that we forget about the positivity and we forget that joy and wonder. So totally. Step number one with behavior is we have to realize that our affect has an impact on the kids. So the more that we can be encouraging and positive and optimistic and shield the crazy out of our classroom, the more likely the kids are going to be to be able to respond to that and feed off our positivity.
0: Right. And, I, you know, I talk to teachers about that same kind of thing when I'm when I'm on the road and I talk about one of my keynotes that I do is is I uh, use the an acronym for the best day ever. That's one of my terms I use quite a bit. And the, uh, the E in my acronym of BEST is engage and excite. And I focus on engagement with students, but then I focus on the excitement side with the staff around you. So as you're speaking to teachers saying we need to have this affect on students, there can be a lot of positive influences that you as an educator can put out to the staff around you as well. Because let's face it, there are some teachers who are, dreading going back this year you know there are teachers who are are worried they're they're worried sick that you know this new strain of of covid might take over and they're worried about their family and they're worried about everything else that's going on in this world and that can definitely have a negative impact on the way they present themselves in front of students can have a a negative impact on their excitement just to do what they do again right um i guess in all reality though i keep telling teachers all the time like if you're teaching today then you were meant to be a teacher, right? Like if, if you weren't meant to be a teacher, you bailed when this thing started. So I don't think it's as you know apparent as it might be trying to show it in front of students, but there's going to be some teachers that need that
1: too from us. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You know, modeling and and our affect have a huge impact on behavior. Behavior feeds off of other behaviors. And as I tell people, you can't control the the negative concerns that some people have like you can't you can't impact that directly but you can indirectly impact it because if you are positive and if you are encouraging Mm -hmm. and you're putting out that as you said that engagement and that excitement that's going to impact everyone whether that's the parents whether that's the kids or whether that's your coworkers. so you got to put out there what you know to be right and good because that's going to other people are going to feed off that
0: well and i love that i mean this is definitely making me think about the way I think about, and I'm not in a public school setting, but I, there are days, I'm not going to lie where, you know, I meet students first thing in the morning and, and, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the brightest, bubbliest guy in the whole wide world. And, and luckily th- these are students who, who know me well enough right now, you know? So I think, I think we can all admit that we have that. If we want to call it a fault, right. Where, where some days are, I mean, it's just human nature. Like you said that, that some days aren't going to be our best day. Right. I keep telling teachers this all, all this time too. I said, this may not be your best day year teaching but we need to make this the best year possible for the students that are being placed in front of us or even the day right this needs to be the best day possible for the students that are placed in front of you so as we grow throughout the year obviously those students are going to, need to understand you and your quirks or your mannerisms or your your attitude throughout the time but starting the year off right is, is where this starts with 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 this positivity for sure
1: yeah, because it goes back to the relationship. And if, if you want school to be something that they anchor in a positive way, unfortunately for some kids, especially when they get in the older grades, like, oh, I have to go to school. I don't know of one pre k first grade kid says, oh, darn, we have school. No, like they come to us all excited and something happens along the way. Right. And we've got to try to fight against that. Now I'm honest with kids. It's not always going to be sunshine, roses, and buttercups. And sometimes I say, "Miss Chapman's having a bad day. I'll tell my pre-K mm-hmm. kids, my high school kids that. So I'm not saying don't be something you're not. What I'm saying is make sure that you try to put out there what you want to get back. Right. And so even when we're having a bad day, if we can be genuine and honest, but positivity being our default, that's going to have the biggest impact on their behavior.
0: I got to ask now that you, 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 this is something I didn't really plan to ask you, I guess, but hearing you more talk about, you know, your work in this the school district and hearing you say pre-K to high schoolers, what, what patterns or what similarities, I guess, to or differences did you see most prevalent across the board in the district you worked in from the little ones to high school? I and mean, What were you mostly involved with, with students?
1: Well, how much time do you have Adam? <laughs> I know um,
0: this, this question just came to me because I'm curious. To, I, I don't get a lot of guests now. I mean, I, I don't, I'm flat out don't have experience at that high, higher level, the higher age level. Right.
1: So, so I'm just curious. Behavior is behavior, Adam. Whether we go to pre-KK or you know your mother-in-law, like the lady <laughs> at the drive-through, different towns Like behavior is behavior. And it's so interesting because having worked at the high school level, people will say, well, so do you work at the high school level now? I'm like, no, now, for, well, for the past 18 years, I've worked in an early childhood center. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, those young ones, that must be so much easier than <laughs> at the high school. And I'm like, oh, please, did you see Kindergarten Cop, the movie? I don't think so. <laughs> but behavior is the same. And you know, what's so interesting is the developmental levels are different, right. but some of the patterns are the same. So I'm going to give you an example of one. We're coming off COVID. You know what that means? The world has been turned upside down. Why is that a problem? Because, Adam, we need rituals in our life. Like, we need consistency. We need to know what's coming. When you know what's coming and when you have a ritual, your anxiety goes way down. Well, with COVID, all the rituals got thrown out. Like, everything that we used to do on autopilot, now it's like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. Well, I don't know. How are we going to handle that? If we don't have rituals, anxiety is increased. So going back to your question, you're saying, what are some trends and patterns you see, whether it's high school or with young children? I can tell your readers or your viewers right now, you know what they're going to be dealing with? They're going to be dealing with a lot of crazy behaviors that are the result of kids' rituals being upended. So when they come back into school, I can guarantee you one of the things that they're going to be struggling with is teachers are gonna have a challenging time getting kids into rituals because they haven't been in consistent rituals over the past year and a half. And trying to establish those can be really, really challenging, whether that's a high school student or whether that's a pre-K kid. Now they're not gonna look at you and say, I need consistency in my life. Right. But they're gonna give you challenging behaviors at pre-K all the way through high school, just because their body is not in a sense of ritual and so it's going to take a little more time to develop those rituals, even though they are absolutely critical for our kids to feel safe and consistent in the classroom.
0: So I, I want to wanna ask you a, a question about a, a story that I remember from hearing you tell. But before that, what kind of for a teacher that's listening it's going, Oh my gosh, you're right. Where where do I start? So so what is your your tip for teachers to start with? Which you know, I know every teacher has their own behavior plan and their own classroom management plan, but when it comes to I mean, kind of starting at square one with some of these kiddos, uh, with rituals. What What are you telling teachers, you know, based on your
1: experience? So most teachers, I think, do this hands down. But having those rituals right away. So I'll give you one. If If behavior occurs in a relationship, which it does, you've heard this strategy before thousands of times. But it's so critical, greeting kids at the door. Yep. I don't care if you're what grade level you are, why? When you greet them at the door, you can mo- model that positive state. You can give them a high five, handshake, whatever it is. You can pull a student aside, but if you greet them at the door every single day, no matter what is happening outside of the classroom, When they get to your door, they know that consistently you're going to be there to greet them. And that's going to start their day or class off in a positive way. So that is, for example, one ritual. Um, But having some consistent ritual throughout the class. So when they come in, having some predictability so the kids can anticipate what is coming is so important. I'm giving you another tip that teachers don't think about But there are teachers that very well-intentioned once they get to closer to the holidays, they're like, all right, guys, seven days before the break, six days before the break, five days before the break. And then teachers come to me and say, they're going crazy. They can't handle this. That's (laughs) because you're raising their anxiety. Like you're saying, all right, everything's going to change soon. Aren't you excited? Everything's going to change. Nothing's going to stay the same for you. And then we wonder why their behavior escalates. So the more we can keep them in that routine the more their anxiety is going to go down. So in terms of suggestions, whether it's greeting them at the door, whether it's coming in with a consistent activity, if kids can go through a predictable routine, Mm -hmm. it's going to strengthen those kids ability to be able to predict what's coming And that's going to positively impact their behavior in the process.
0: That's awesome. I love it that you mentioned the greeting at the door. It's something I took pride in doing every single day. I usually had a guitar strapped around my neck, meeting kids with song and whatnot. But I remember um, when I left the public school to to pursue the the gig I'm doing now with education, I was doing a lot of, before COVID hit, I was volunteering in my wife's classroom when I was home and not on the road. And she does a, like she would, she instituted that on day one. You know, you greet the teacher at the door, she greets the student's door. You either shake hands, high five, say good morning. And I, there was this one little boy that caught another friend not doing it to, to Trisha because she would get to the point where the kids would just walk up and say hi to her first. Even if she was you know, she was busy doing something or to collecting papers from a student or whatnot, they would wait and they'd say, good morning, Mrs. Peterson, before they'd go to their locker or whatnot. And she's in second grade. And this little boy, I remember being in her room and the, she was outside greeting her kids. I was in there to volunteer for the day and kids were coming in the building and, and this little boy runs in and he's like, Eli you forgot to say good morning to Mrs. Peterson like he he recognized it and the kids like oh my gosh like you could tell he he skipped that part of his routine but immediately knew like to go out and greet her and say hi and it was just really cool to see that they they saw that as something important in
1: their day yeah our bodies our bodies crave ritual we like rituals because we feel safe and we know what's coming you know, I, I talk a lot about the drive to work and how that's our sort of predictable routine. We come to work every single day. Right. And what if I told you, Adam, that you had to take a different way to work every single day, like every single day, you must drive a different way to get to work. And if you're late, I'll dock your pay.
0: Yeah, it would drive well, me nuts. And, and this this makes me think of something that you've, you've told before. Maybe this was where you were going. Um, you, you all listen to this, we, we talked about Dan being a, a, an educational presenter and, and staff development person. I've been lucky enough to see you present plenty of times. And I always try to make it a point into your rooms. And, and maybe you were leading to this story, but I was going to ask you about this story of the drive home from work. Because when you use that word ritual, and we're focusing on children, right? Like a lot of times we forget, like you said, that, that the behaviors come because their ritual is out of routine or, or something's wrong. But we need to remember that they're human just like us, right? Like, like we make yeah. mistakes all the time. We forget rituals. And and there was a story you told, and I'll never forget this. I even remember where we were. I think we were in, I want to say we were in Baton Rouge, maybe at a conference with SDE, and you were giving this presentation. I popped in and saw it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is genius. Cause I caught myself thinking, How many times have I had done this? So it was a story about a gallon of milk on the way home yep. from school and rituals.
1: Yeah, I tell that story in so many of my workshops, but I have a body of work called Positive Behavior Principles. It was the last book that I wrote. And the ninth principle, each one of these principles sort of developed over time when stories hit me. And this was the story associated with that. But, you know, I'll ask people, I'll say, have you ever, you know, been leaving school and someone say, hey, pick up a gallon of milk. And you're like, I'm going by the store, I'll pick it up. And what do you do, Adam? Do you pick up the milk? Yes or no? I do not, because like you no. said, I drive the same way home every single day. <laughs> you forget it. You forget it. Well, how would you like it if you got home and that person said, where's the milk? And you say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get it. And they say, well, that was a stupid choice. Right. And what I talk about is, was that really a choice? Like, did you say, I'm not going to get that milk? No. Why didn't you get it? Because you forgot. Why'd you forget? Because you're in a habit. Yeah. Well, the thing I want to caution these teachers about is teachers, whenever these kids come into your classroom... They've been developing habits over the last couple of years. Right. And these are habits that are going to be difficult to break. So you know what that means? With some kids, they've been in front of screens. They haven't been in front of real people. You know what that means? They haven't gotten a lot of practice, face-to-face <laughs> communication with other people. So guess what they're going to do? They're going to say some inappropriate things and they're going to do some inappropriate things, not because they're choosing to do that. It's because they have been in a different habit. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, if you've ever tried to lose weight or exercise more or stop chewing your nails, breaking habits is hard. So if you want a tip, one of the things I tell teachers is rather than thinking what punishment will get this kid to stop doing that, a better question to ask ourselves is how do we help this kid break that very bad habit? Right now, if we do that, then guess what? we approach everything differently. And we stop saying, well, if that kid would just make a better choice. Adam, if you were trying to lose weight, and I said, Adam, what did I tell you about that cookie? If you <laughs> would just not eat? I mean, it's not that simple. Like, we try to simplify it. And Get, out not- head, <laughs> Get out of my head,
0: Mr. St. Roman.
1: Get out of my head, because I'm in
0: that right now. <laughs> yeah, well, yep, yep. That's that's the tough word, though, is simplicity in this, this sense with, with little ones. And I think It's what I love about hearing you talk about this, because a lot of times it's the stress of the beginning of the year that we forget that it's just, for lack of better words, dumbing it down to let's build these relationships. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's talk to these kids. And I love it. I don't love this, but I'm glad you brought up the idea that kids routines are different now than they ever have been before. You know, whether they've been in screens because of school or not, I've noticed from talking to students and talking to children that I see, it, it amazes me, not in a good way how many kids can't keep eye contact during a conversation anymore? And I think it's because like you said, they don't have practice talking to people. They, they're so used to hearing someone talk from here or here, those, nobody's watching this, but I'm pointing behind me. Like while they're focusing on something in front of them that it's almost like they're
1: tuning people out sometimes
0: and not yeah, by yeah. choice,
1: right? You, you be careful, or this is going to turn into a wind-up toy presentation. You know, <laughs> when I start talking, I get excited. So We have been conditioned in our society for diz- divided focus. We multitask, which is actually a- a- an anomaly, but we multitask. We try to do thirty-two things at once, mm-hmm. and kids jump from this activity to this activity to this activity to. They don't watch whole television shows. Right. They panel surf like it's boom, 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 boom. So the brains are not conditioned to sustain attention for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Their, their, their brains are conditioned for sound bites and short clips of information. And then we get mad that they want to pay attention. And what I tell teachers is there's a difference between paying attention and sustaining attention. Right. And kids, I can drop a book or do something and kids will immediately, I can get their attention. But trying to sustain it for longer periods is harder. So rather than then saying they need to pay attention, what we need to do is say, what can I do differently as a teacher to increase the likelihood that they're sustaining attention longer? So for example, with little bitty kids in the middle of teaching, I'll smile and I'll just stare at them and they (laughs) smile back and then I stare at them. And we have this staring contest. We never say anything. And then the kid laughs and I laugh. And I, I do this with little bitty kids all the time. And it's a ritual I have in the classrooms. I do it with kids all the time. And what's interesting is at the beginning of the year, I'll look at a child and like for 10 seconds, we can look at each other and they'll burst out. By the end of the year, I'm sitting there staring at some kids for two <laughs> and three minutes. And I say, you know what? That was a fun way to help train their brain to pay attention. So rather than demanding they pay attention, I'm gonna make it developmentally appropriate and incorporate it into a fun activity while trying to reshape the brain in the process.
0: I love that. You know, another thing I just thought of that I've I've heard teachers talk about before, um, and it it can happen with this was more so along the lines of how do you see yourself as a teacher, but when you're thinking about how you see yourself as a teacher who's trying to sustain and what can you change, one of the best tips I ever heard anybody give on this type of thing was set up a camera in your room just to videotape yourself teaching. And, and I've, I've heard this from multiple educators. The one I heard it from first talked about film yourself and see how many times you smile during a lesson and then wonder why the kids aren't engaged. Right. But I'm thinking about what you just said. Like, wonder why the kids aren't sustained when when you watch that back. Is it something that you could fix? So I, I think that'd be a, a good tip on this
1: as well. Yes, I work, um, I do a lot of, obviously, consulting with with principals and administrators, as well as teachers, and it's funny that you mention that, because I tell administrators, don't go in and say, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. One of the best ways to get feedback, Adam, have you ever heard yourself, well, obviously you have because of this podcast, (laughs) but have you ever heard your voice going, that's not me? Right, yep. You don't see yourself the way that others do. And so this whole idea of videoing is phenomenal. And what I tell administrators, I say, every teacher, every teacher, this is not about behavior. Every teacher should videotape themselves and just watch it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say, you don't have to point out anything, but what you start to be aware of with your own behaviors is just, you don't realize how you come across to other people. So now videotaping yourself and just watching it back, the perspective shift and revelations that you can have as a teacher are vast, so it's yeah. a phenomenal strategy.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, let, let's jump into some more things about how people can, can get more from you. I know that uh, in the beginning I mentioned a course, you brought up a book. Uh, you said, oh, we want to jump into a full-blown presentation here. No, because I want people to go experience what I experienced when they saw you speak or they bring you to your school. So let's kick it off first with, with these courses. Cause I think that's a great place for people to start. Um, I know this is something you're super passionate about something brand new for teachers. Uh, and I know people are going to want to dive into these. So tell us about these, these courses that you're launching.
1: Well, actually, I have three main bodies of work, and I only have one course, if you will. Okay. But that is my current. That is my current love right now.
0: But it's a lot, That's, right? When I say courses, yeah, not, it's a lot.
1: You say one course, but you put some work into this, man. Yeah, it's um. So the body of work that I'm working on now is called Cultivating Character in Kids. Yes. And over the course of the last 18 years, I've gone into pre-KK, first, second grade classrooms, really through fifth grade, but. This body of work is pre-K through second grade, and I work with teachers over the course of an entire year on all the ways that they can teach behavioral skills and character education to kids. So I videotaped over eight hours of myself, (laughs) and each of them are in 20-minute segments, but it's over eight hours of of recorded staff development. Is that me
0: or you? That's all right, I
1: leave mine on all the time. I've recorded over eight hours of staff development on ways that I teach behavioral skills to kids. And so, what I do is um, work with teachers starting now in August through May. And every month, I have them watch some of the videos. And it's more like a college course, Mm -hmm. but I roll it out over the course of the year because you can go and watch an.
0: (laughs) You can go and. You are a popular man, Mr. St. Romain.
1: Yep. I'm going to go ahead and, hold on one second. There you go.
0: <laughs> my ringtone on my phone is is a, a, a song that just sings, whose phone is ringing? Mine, mine. I constantly leave it on on accident and it'll come across podcast or it, it annoys the heck
1: out of my wife too, but no worries. Well, with regard to this course, I'm excited because I want to work with one group of educators over the course of time, helping them roll out and teach behavioral skills to kids. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you might come and see me in a, in a staff development session, but it's when you're back in the class and you're with the kids that you have the biggest questions. Right. Um, so the course is, it's on my website, but I'm really excited about that. It's designed for pre-K to second grade teachers on ways to teach skills like following directions, getting attention, paying attention, et cetera. Well, and what a great have, thing to,
0: for teachers to pick up as they head back to school too, you know, when they start this this year, I think that's, you're, you're putting this out
1: there for teachers at a perfect time. Yeah, and I have a lot of resources on my website. Um, for teaching those skills. So even if it's not the course, uh, I have books of songs and books of lessons and things to teach those. And then I have two books out. Um, I have my COVID book that (laughs) came out during COVID called Positive Behavior Principles. That's my largest body of work. And it's a pre-K through 12th grade. It's a book for pre-K through 12th grade educators um, on nine principles for shaping behavior. So that's all levels. And then uh, I came out with a book before that called "Teach Skills and Break Habits," and that's designed for pre-K through fifth-grade teachers on ways to move away from punishments and rewards towards more a model of teaching behavioral skills and expectations. So
0: that's awesome. I have
1: three bodies of work that most people gravitate towards, and obviously, people can go to my website, um, at Dan at Dan Saint Remain, or www. I can't speak now. Uh, my my brain is fried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> www.dan. You can go to my
1: website. The, the good news is that I am um, I'm the only Dan Saint Romain. I'm not John Smith. And so, if people just Google my name, I have an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook account. Every Sunday night, I do a huge blog on behavior and discipline, and then obviously, I do a lot of staff development. So. That's sort of more about me and where they can find more information on the services I provide. Well, I got
0: I to gotta applaud you, not for, just for all that, but the fact that you were able to put out a book during COVID, because I'll tell you what, my creative mindset was gone. Like I, I had all these intentions, like when we were stuck at home so long, I'm like, I'm going to like add tons of videos to my YouTube channel. And I just, I don't know what it was, man. I could not find a way to be creative during this stretch my family I mean, trust me we enjoyed some family time don't get me wrong we played more board games than we have played in years and have done more family stuff which i mean if you find a positive in what happened there it is but kudos to you for that putting out that book that's amazing so everything you said you can find at dan dan saint now i can't even say it dan google search dan st romaine like you said you're not going to find another name like yours uh like john smith you're going to find that so um i think we'll about wrap it up there man because i want people to explore this more i want them to go out and reach out and find you like you said that blog every sunday night teachers there you go I, I the thing i love about you doing that on sunday night too is i've seen you speak i've seen the way that you can rile up teachers in a good way and to put that out before they head into the some people call the dreaded monday i
1: guess i think is, is a genius idea on your part but also to help teachers out that's awesome Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you inviting me. You know, I just want to close in saying, yes, we have our challenges, but challenges are opportunities. And, you know, the whole idea that your your podcast is on positivity, I think is probably the most important piece of information we need to remember that what we put out there is going to have a huge impact on what comes back to us. And I think if we can look at the bright side and say, you know what, it's going to be a great year perception is reality and the more we put that out there the more it's going to have a positive impact on our kids our coworkers, and and our work in general so thank you for inviting me and You're i really great. appreciate having the opportunity to work with you
0: Hey, the honor was all mine man i appreciate that privilege speaking to you and i think that's a great way to end it dan st romain thank you and uh check them out everyone bye you have a good one Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of On My Way to School with Adam Peterson. Check the show notes for more information from our guest, and be sure to follow me on social media at Teachers Learn 2 the number two, to stay up to date with everything that I'm doing, as well as check out AdamPetersonEducation.com to see where you can see me speaking next or bring me to your own school. Make sure to rate and like and share this podcast so others can find it too, and we'll see you on the next episode. The
1: BEST, Best. We are the best.